Hi, Brian. <laughs> Hi, Andrea. Yay. Welcome to the Wealthy AF podcast. I am so excited to have you here with me. Um, you're one of the first people that popped into my head in terms of who would I want to have and share their story, who I feel is like wealthy AF, who lives that and breathes that. So um, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you having me. Truly honored to be among the first on this podcast and really excited to be talking to you today. Yay. I First question I have for you is what has you been, what has you feeling wealthy AF lately? So for me today, uh, if I, if you asked me this question two days ago, it would have been more difficult to answer because I had gotten out of the keystone habit. That's probably like the most important thing to keeping me feeling well, the AF, uh, which is my morning gratitude practice. And today I'm feeling much better because I've just done my usual morning gratitude practice the last two days. And it's funny because I've, so basically every morning for the last, I would say like six years or so, I'll fill up a page, at least a page in my gratitude journal, you know, with like pen, I'm writing by hand. Uh, and it doubles as kind of a reflection on the day prior. And I'm just expressing gratitude for everything that happened. And what's funny is that during times when I feel like I could really use it, and I don't really like, I'm not thinking about it during those times, but like now, Friday, I, reflecting on the last two weeks, which was kind of a turbulent couple weeks for me, I'm like, oh, those like 10 days where I forgot to practice gratitude in the morning or just like was too overwhelmed, right? I felt like I had too much going on, too much on my mind, too much on my plate to sit down and um, be in that expressing, embodying gratitude state, even for 10 minutes, that was when I needed it most. Yeah. Um, so finally, yesterday, I had a good, like, elongated, probably like 30, 40 minute session where I filled up like four pages of gratitude and like al already was starting to feel better. And then today, just like that second day, you know, getting back in the habit, I feel so much lighter, um, so much less mental clutter, so much more mental like freedom um, and more myself and more at peace. So for me, like when you ask that question, that's the first thing that comes up, just a simple daily gratitude practice. Simple, seemingly simple, right? <laughs> and yet we don't always do that. <laughs> simple doesn't, Jerry Colonna, this like, startup coach um he has this famous saying it's simple that doesn't mean it's easy right um yeah yeah i think um are you the one who said the attitude of gratitude i feel like that was you <laughs> that's a i gotta give credit to shabank for that one okay Shabank is another member of the third nature community who he he is a very grateful person and he yeah. likes to talk about the power of having an attitude of gratitude and as do I uh it's something again it's a habit a practice that we both champion yeah um but yeah when I when I hear attitude of gratitude I definitely think of Shavank that's so funny because I thought of you you think of him and it's literally this like chain of gratitude and appreciation which is even for me more compounding because it's like wow I'm so grateful that you brought that up and it brings me back to where I heard you first say it which is um the morning activity at adult summer camp which is what I spent my most recent memorial day weekend um which you hosted and facilitated and, and, and created um how would you say gratitude changes everything that you do like that's the practice but how does that actually trickle into how you show up and even everything that you create 
So I mentioned I feel more myself today after just two days getting back in the habit after like 10 days being out of the habit. And I feel more myself because I feel like I'm back to my optimistic self. Mm. Um, I consider myself a naturally optimistic person. And I feel like I've always been that way, but my gratitude practice, it like amplifies that strength. If gratitude is, is a strength for me, or sorry, if, if optimism is like a strength for me, my daily gratitude practice turns that strength into a superpower. And part of the reason, at least part of the reason why that's the case and why I think this would be the case for anyone is um, I'll, I'll give a little like quick evolutionary psychology lesson. And, and you might remember, I, I spoke about this during those morning gratitude circles at camp. So according to evolutionary psychology, we are all descendants of humans, ancient humans who were the best able to spot threats to their survival, right? Our ancestors who survived were the ones, you know, in the African savanna who were able to, they, they were the first ones to spot the threats to their survival and respond to those threats, so we're wired over, you know, hundreds of thousands of years of evolution to play close attention to threats to, to our, and that's, you know, now how that manifests in a world where most of us are not, at least on a daily basis, confronted with real threats to our survival. It manifests as threats to our ego survival, to our, like the survival of our relationships, um, our spiritual health, our mental health, our emotional health. So we, our natural inclination, our first nature as humans is to pay close attention to the threats, to the bad things that are happening yeah. in our lives and in the world. And news media and social media, like media in general, they know this and they exploit this. Um, and this isn't like, I, I hope this this uh, doesn't sound like me revealing a secret here. Um, it's just the nature of like media in a capitalist society, right? Where where the profit motive is going to incentivize these media companies to to capture our attention to sell to their advertisers, right? Um. And since they know that we're most naturally inclined to, to pay attention to threats, to things right. that are gonna, um, to, to scary, dangerous things, um, that's what they're going to show us, right? They're not going to show like, like if, if the news and, and by the way, when the news first like became a thing, it wasn't all bad. This is something that, um, you know, marketing companies and, and media in general has learned over decades of, of just like optimizing for profit and increasing right. share value. But we digress. Um, That's a whole other subject. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's important to, to understand and recognize because then we as individuals have the power, right? We can yeah. take our power back. And by recognizing this, um, what a gratitude practice does is it shifts your attention to all the good things that are happening right. because I'm naturally inclined to pay attention to, you know, bad things to threats. If I take just 20 minutes every morning to write down what I'm grateful for, all the good things that are happening in my life, what I'm proud of, um, you know, relationships that I value, just like all the good stuff in your life. Right. If you start your day on that note throughout the day, you're, you're over time. And this is why the habit is so important. This is why right. gratitude, the power of gratitude compounds over time. The more regularly you practice this habit, the more you can move through life with this more optimistic outlook. Right. Um, 
And, and that energy is contagious, right? Then in your relationships, when you come into contact with other people, just in your day to day, um, even like, you know, at the salad place, right? Like strangers on the street. I, I feel like when I'm practicing gratitude every morning, I have more just good vibes to pass on to other people. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something, especially just like given everything happening in the world. And, you know, we could say that this week, but I feel like you can always say that, right? There's yeah. always, and, and by the way, I'm not saying like, completely turn a block, turn a blind eye to, to right. what's happening in the world. Like I consider myself someone who's like well-informed and well-educated. And I, I like to understand um, and expose myself to the suffering that's happening in the world. But yeah. this gratitude practice helps me or better equips me to navigate that and yeah. to actually make a difference. Um yeah. And again, to, to not feel so drained and like, um, let that, that suffering kind of like, uh, hold me back. Yeah. Yeah. You're like the last person who comes to mind when I think about bypassing <laughs> suffering. Um, yeah. and, and my experience of you and your gratitude practice is not to, um, use, focusing on the positive to negate or again, bypass or not acknowledge what's here, but I actually see you embodying presence and really being with what is and acknowledging everything that is here. And also acknowledging that our brains, like you said, have a negative bias. So using our power, our power of choice, what can we focus our energy and attention on? Like that's essentially like what you embody with what you just said in, in a simple gratitude practice. Exactly. Um, Luke Bryan has a great quote in uh, this song, Most People Are Good, where he says, if you just go by the nightly news, your faith in all mankind will be the first thing you lose. And, and it's important that he says, if you just go by the nightly news, right? Yeah. We're not saying don't watch the nightly news, but if you just go by that, you know, yeah. It's, it's understandable that you would be pessimistic about the right. world and the future. So again, the gratitude practice, it doesn't negate that. It just balances it out. It just yeah. like, like you said, helps overcome that negativity bias and yeah. just have a balanced perspective around yeah. life and, and what's possible. Yeah. You said something interesting. Um, you said first nature earlier. Mm. And, you know, yeah. I, I, I know a little bit about that because of what you've created in the world, but could you share more about first nature? Is there a second nature and all of that? Because when usually you think of nature, you think of nature, not a first nature. Yeah. So tell me more. <laughs> so thank you for, for the invitation. Um, first, I think it's important to remember that we are nature. Humans, we like to create separation between us and every other animal and the earth itself, but we are part of nature. And yes, we have a first nature, second nature, and uh, a third nature, right? That's, that's what we're all about here at third nature. Um, so, and, and I think it's easy to ground this in the example that I was just talking about. So this negativity bias is kind of first nature for, for most humans, right? Mm -hmm. Um, this is passed down for, you know, from generation to generation, hundreds of thousands of years of human ancestry has led us to this negativity bias and this ability to really uh, see threats to our survival. And by the way, like that has led to us also being maybe the most creative of all um, species on this planet. Mm. Oh, and I feel a sneeze coming on. <laughs> hey! oh, bless you. Okay. We can edit them out if you want or uh, <laughs> human sneaks. Um, anyway. So it's, so it's our first nature to 
pay close attention to, um, you know, threats to our survival. And then second nature is, so, so whereas first nature is like our genetic predisposition, first nature is just what is, right, from birth. Um, second nature is the learned kind of conditioned, uh, more habitual mechanical way of showing up in the world that is a result of our upbringing. Um, some listeners may know of like the nature versus nurture right. dichotomy. So you can kind of think of like first nature is nature and second nature is your nurture. Mm. So for a lot of people, I think it's second nature to, again, like, how do I respond to this like first nature way of being? I'm going to spend every night watching the news so that I can just like be really aware of, of all the bad things happening in the world so I can protect myself and my family. That's an example of, and that might not be the case for you listening, but that's just an example of like one potential kind of second nature conditioned mechanical response to just like get home from work and turn on the news. Right. Whereas a more third nature response, third nature is all about transcending second nature it's all about being aware of your first and second nature, who you are and who you've always been. And like, again, just like our natural tendencies, our natural inclinations as humans, and then your lived experience, what has made you who you are and why you behave the way that you do so that you can consciously, intentionally, and purposefully decide and choose what do you actually want to do when you get home from work? Right. Um, maybe one day you watch the news. Maybe you, you have, you know, a new show that you enjoy. Um, or maybe you get home from work and take out your gratitude journal and, and write down what you're grateful for. Maybe you call a friend. Maybe you go for a walk. Maybe you go to the gym. Um, it doesn't matter what you do. What matters is, that it's an intentional choice in the interest of your well-being, your fulfillment, yeah. whatever you value. That's what third nature is all about. And that's kind of like what all our programming is about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks for the invitation yeah. to talk about that. Cause I feel like a lot of people see third nature and they're like, oh, cool. Like experiences in nature. And yeah you know, there's like the third eye association or the third mm. association, but this is really like what third nature means to me and, and kind of yeah. what is that name? Yeah. Um, I have actually been thinking a lot about third nature, not just in how you described it, but in how I see the world. And for me, you know, you mentioned nature and nurture and then your third truest form, right? Third nature. For me, I've been really seeing it from um, like a child of immigrant standpoint, where the first nature is actually survival and scarcity. The second nature is really actually when you start to have some sort of opportunity and awareness, but there's like a shift to abundance right like how can we take what we have and what we're born with and through our conditioning or programming or thinking or teaching start to incorporate ways in which abundance can inform our just nature first first stage and then third for me would be freedom it's like you said the transcendence part of it um but for me, it's not just about the naming of like scarcity, abundance, freedom. It's actually the stage and like the evolutionary aspect of it. One, two, three. Um, I'm wondering for you, you know, if you had to name first nature, second nature, third nature beyond the way that you did, is there any sort of like paradigm that shows up for you? Any sort of label or title that shows up for you in your life. Cause for me, it's definitely like the scarcity and survival. Mm -hmm. Um, and underneath that, it's a lot of like silence and shame and, and all of that. Um, wondering if there's like a, 
specific, unique way that you've experienced first nature, second nature, and third nature? Yeah. So for me, I, to answer this question, I, I like to go back to like, and this is a question that we ask people in a workshop that I've led probably over a hundred times. It's to think back as far as you can remember, what was the first thing you remember wanting to be when you grow up? Like when you were five, six years old and an adult asked you, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? Your answer to that question, I think points to your first nature mm. because it's who you wanted to be before the world told you who you should be. Right. And that's not always the case, right? I think some people are, you know, exposed to so much conditioning and programming from a, from such a young age before they can even remember that like their first answer to that question is largely condition yeah. and more second nature. But for me, I remember being like five, six years old and just wanting to be an artist. Like, and that felt so innate, so like just pure and not trying to like meet anyone's expectation of who I should be. Um, I just liked, you know, drawing and painting and, you know, probably in like preschool and kindergarten, like I got opportunities to do that. And I was like, wow, this is fun, fun enough where I could like see myself doing this professionally. Yeah. Not like I knew what doing something professionally actually meant. And like the concept of working for a paycheck when I was five years old, maybe a little bit, but, um, when adults would ask me like, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do when you grow up? I was like, I just want to do more of this. Like, I just want to spend all my time drawing and painting. And then that started to shift when I probably like was in art class and saw a peer's drawing that looked better than mine, or maybe a teacher offered praise to a fellow student about their art and not mm-hmm. mine. I honestly don't remember, but yeah, I do remember realizing that I wasn't good at it. That like, oh, I'm not a good artist. Mm. Um, I'm a little fidgety, right? So like for me, I, I guess like drawing, painting, like um, again, for like six, seven-year-old me wasn't wasn't a strength but we'll come back to that. <laughs> um, but again, now, now it's like, we're, we're starting to move into that second nature because I started to, um, what I wanted to do, who I wanted to be when I grow up was now much more influenced by my environment, my peers, what my parents expected of me, what teachers expected of me. Yeah. Um, so those desires evolved from like, at some point, probably wanting to be a professional basketball player, uh, realizing that wasn't realistic either to then like really starting to understand the value and importance of money. And this is where I think like that money piece, and this is part of why I think we've connected around this like wealthy AF uh, idea. I, I just love that. It's like, um, rethinking what it means to be truly wealthy for me growing up, the mindset instilled in me by my family, um, particularly my dad's side of the family, but this was reinforced in like, again, the media and school right. was, you know, work is about making money. Work is about not just making money, but making a lot of money. Like, acquiring as much financial security as you can as quickly as you can. Right. So that maybe later, if you're lucky, you can like really enjoy your life. Um, and I remember like kind of acquiring that mindset myself. Um, and that started to impact the kinds of jobs that I saw myself potentially doing when I got older um, shifting to more like finance base, 
fast forward, I ended up going to uh, the University of Michigan, where I was in their undergraduate business school. I interned at Morgan Stanley for a summer, thought maybe I would like go into finance. Then I interned at Excel Sports Management, thinking maybe like I would combine those early passions for sports with like this, you know, more recent like desire to make a lot of money uh, by being a sports agent. And ultimately I graduated from college and went into ad sales because both of those internships were great in that I didn't see those paths for myself. Like I saw the people five, 10 years ahead of me. And I was like, I don't want that badly enough to like put in the work to get there. Yeah. I don't really want that at all. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know what I wanted. So I ended up getting a great job out of college. My first full-time job, I was doing ad sales at CVS and making great money. Uh, I loved sales at the time because it was very entrepreneurial and you kind of like had a, you had a lot of control over um, like your, my, my income was directly tied to the work that I was putting in day in, day right. out. Like, it's very easy to see the fruits of my labor, if you will. So I like that. Um, and then when I was 23, uh, so, well, I think an important part of the story actually zooming out first is, um, my dad kind of succeeded in this like drive to acquire as much financial security as he could. Um, he was really into golf. So I like to say so that he could, you know, really enjoy the back nine of his life. Mm. He set a goal, I think very early in his career to retire by 50. He ended up retiring by 45. Wow. And, you know, right. Like success time to finally like live the dream. And unfortunately he, just a few years after he retired, was diagnosed with cancer. And then when I was 23, this was in 2012, he passed away. And when my dad died, it was, I call it a worldview shattering event because it challenged my second nature, right? This this new, not really new at that point, but my second nature inclination to strive for uh, financial security above all else um, and kind of living today for tomorrow, you know, figuratively speaking. And I, but again, I, I still didn't know, like, okay, I, I started to, like, after my dad died, I went back to work. And I was like, why am I here? Right. That that was part of like this worldview shattering realization. I was like, um, I, I still want to make money. I still want to live a a comfortable life, but not at the expense of my own health and well-being long-term. Um, and I saw that in some of the people who had been at this job for five, 10, 20 years. And I think for me also, like, uh, and this is starting to move towards that third nature, starting to tap into like, okay, what do I really want? Yeah. For me, it was more purposeful work. It was work where I could really feel like I was making an impact. Because again, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with like, like I, I know a lot of wealthy AF people, like people who are very happy and fulfilled, who work jobs that they're kind of lukewarm about where like they make really good money and they derive their passion and purpose outside of work. And that's right. awesome. Yeah. But for me, after my dad died and I was, I was doing a lot of like self-reflection and I was doing some travel and 
I realized that I wanted to do more purposeful work. I wanted my work to have an impact. I wanted to help people. Um, and I also wanted to tap back into that inner artist. Um, I had a few experiences that year where I started to like rediscover my creativity and tap back into that and be really energized by that. And I, and I remember this moment I was in Colorado, uh, and I, I wrote more about this whole journey in an, in an article I wrote recently. So like, if anyone's like curious to hear, yeah, I'll put the link in, <laughs> they, they, they can check that out, but I'll, I'll try to wrap this up by just saying, like, I remember this, this specific moment when I, I realized that like, I have always been an artist because, and, and my art was just different from what I thought it was when I was five, six years old. My right. art was experiences. Mm. So throughout this time, you know, where I was like trying to figure out what I wanted to do for work, I was always naturally inclined to bring people together from a very young age. Yeah. Um, that was something I just like always loved doing. And I like to think of an experience, a gathering as a work of art. Mm. And I can articulate this now. I don't know if I could have, could have even articulated it back in 2012, 2013, when I first started like down this path to, uh, towards like rediscovering my inner artist. But now in retrospect, I can say, and I'm so grateful that my work is all about designing and facilitating experiences for people. That's my art. That's yeah. the art I'm really good at. So in a way, like for me being third nature, it's having that awareness of my first and second nature, tapping back into my first nature, just in a new way, in a way that I could have never imagined or envisioned for myself, not just when I was five, but even when I was 23. Right. Um, so it took a while to like figure out what does that actually mean in terms of like what kind of work and what kind of life I want to live, what kind of work I want to do. Um, so what followed was just a lot of like trial and error, but ultimately for me being third nature is yeah. Like the way I live my life, just designing and facilitating experiences for others really like leaning into the joy and fulfillment and energy that, that comes from that for me. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, first of all, you know, when you give this context, I'm like, it all makes sense. Like everything that you are, it makes sense. Um, how all the experiences you create do feel like a, a work of art, the way that everything is cumulative and connected to another part and the serendipity and the synchronicity that's built in. There's a certain kind of magic that I've experienced from your spaces that I appreciate. And that only comes from what you described as not just your own personal journey, but the impact you want to create and um, the unique energy that you bring. Right. Um, I think it's also interesting how we're talking about this and you know, I've been also a facilitator the last couple of years, but you presenting it as you creating a work of art, it's landing for me more profoundly than um, I'm kind of, I, I guess I didn't know it was going to hit me that hard because, um, you know, quick side note, the other day I had a, a spiritual based reading that told me that my life's work does not necessarily need to be my source of income. And that blew my mind because that's just how I've been operating yeah. the last five years. So that's a paradigm shift I need to sit with. Um, I wonder, you know, I, I hate this question sometimes because you can't change what has happened in the past and your life is what it is. But if it weren't for the passing of your father, do you think 
like, what do you think it would have taken for you to arrive to your purpose and where you are now? Like, yeah. I, <laughs> I think about this all the time. So I, I'm glad you asked the question. <laughs> um, I don't know is the the short yeah. answer. I don't know if I would be doing what I'm doing today. Um, obviously, the last 11 years would be very different. I probably would have stayed at that job at CBS for a little longer. I mean, sometimes I think like maybe I would still be in ad sales, probably not at CBS, maybe at like a big tech company. Right. Um, like I, and I have a lot of close friends um, from that job. So I like look at what they're doing now and I'm like, oh, like maybe I would be doing something similar. Right. Uh, my dad's passing. But then sometimes I think maybe I would have found my way to third nature just in a more like, like in a different route. Maybe it would have taken longer. Maybe, um, yeah, the journey would definitely be different. But yeah, it's impossible to say. Yeah. And it's funny. I... I was just talking about this yesterday. So like, I'm, I'm so glad you, you asked this question. Um, there's this great interview of Stephen Colbert with Anderson Cooper. And they're talking about grief and loss. I think they both, I know Colbert mm. lost maybe both his parents. I don't know exactly what, what their losses mm -hmm. are. They both have experience with like profound grief the death of someone close to them and Colbert is talking about wish and and this resonated so deeply with me wishing that person was still here like feeling so sad still and and like feeling this profound grief for that loss and being grateful for everything that's happened yeah and we talked about this earlier like yeah the power of gratitude like every morning I'll reflect on what happened yesterday and express gratitude for all of it because even like the conversations that didn't go the way I wanted them to go deals that didn't go through you know like, obviously, there are plenty of things that happen in a given day that people can look at and say, oh, like, that's too bad or that, that, yeah, um, I think I'm sorry that happened. But like, it's, it's a really powerful thing to be able to look at everything again, not like in a toxic positivity sort of way, right? But just being able to hold both the duality, um, of and and again i feel like with my dad's passing it's like the the most clear and like the 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 most like profound example of this of like like 100% i wish he was still here right and i'm so grateful for the life that i'm living today mhm mm so how can I not be grateful for everything that's happened, even yeah. loss? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's no right or wrong answer to any question, but I think what I'm getting from you is this deep honoring, not just of what has happened and who was a part of it or who wasn't a part of it, but just like living life with such honor and reverence um it's also interesting because as you were speaking I was like wow you call it a daily grief uh gratitude practice but I actually think it's like a daily grief practice and that's not something everyone oh. does enough <laughs> oh wow yeah can you because, say more about that yeah yeah because as you're as you were talking you're saying your what you literally reflect on is not just like what am I grateful for what am I grateful for what am I happy about it's actually like what has occurred for me in my life 
And what am I sitting with that may or may not have gone the way I planned or expected, which is a form of grief, right? Things not, yeah. not going the way that you had thought. You're reflecting. Um, it's a contemplative practice in reflection of what has occurred or what hasn't occurred. And then what you arrive at, at is gratitude. I think a lot of people think gratitude is just like a focus on the positive, what's good in my life, what's great. But you actually, the way that you describe it is like, no, I'm actually grateful for this kind of conversation, which may have been uncomfortable and whatever, because it allowed me to come to this place of gratitude. And gratitude is what is what I'm experiencing as a result of honoring this yeah. grief. Wow. That's powerful, Andrea. <laughs> like, so aside from third nature, I run the leader leaders in training program at experience camps, right. experience camps for the adults, which are camps for children and now adults who have experienced uh, a significant death loss. And we, so, so I'm very like familiar with like the stages of grief, right? But I don't think I, and there are like different ways that people talk about the stages of grief. There are three stages, five stages, six stages, like, but I don't think I've ever seen gratitude as like a stage, maybe the final stage of grief. Mm. That's something I want to think about more because one thing we do at these camps is we give participants an opportunity to write a letter to their person who died. Mm. So in being involved with this organization for now seven or eight years, oh wow, um, I've written many letters to my dad. And a couple of years ago, I gave myself permission to write an angry letter because anger is a, a funny feeling for me. It's something I, I feel actually somewhat often. Um, but for me, it's second nature to like suppress my anger. Anger is not mm. okay to be angry. That's what I was taught growing up. And, but during this experience, this, this uh, retreat, I inspired by a fellow participant, gave myself permission to express my anger in writing in a letter to my, to my dead dad. Right. Mm. And it was so interesting because the letter started very angry and I was expressing all the things that I'm angry about from my childhood and him not being here and not getting mm. to talk about certain things. And, you know, but it ended in gratitude. Like, it was like a three page letter. And by the end, I was expressing gratitude. And it was so interesting because it was so unintentional. Right. Um, but that's just where I ended up because I realized that, yes, I'm angry about all these things, but all these things have made me who I am. Right. And I love who I am. And so when I finally like was able to express all these things, I was like, wow. Thank you. Like, I'm, yeah. and, I'm, and, and, and the anger like was still there, but so much lighter, so much easier to carry. And the gratitude was just like so much more glaring and powerful. Um, so yeah, I want to think more about this, like gratitude is maybe the final stage of grief. Cause usually it's like acceptance. Yeah. But yeah, maybe with acceptance comes gratitude. Yeah. And I think grieving is a skill set that, you know, similar to experiencing and feeling and allowing yourself to express anger, grieving, I would say, is also something that many people are unfamiliar with unless they have to. Um, so I would love your thoughts on that. So whenever you're ready to share. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe that's a future article. Yeah. <laughs> I share one, one more thing though, about my dad. Yeah, of course. So one thing that I don't often talk about publicly is just like how, like, I think his mentality towards work and, and acquiring financial security was also second nature, also like conditioned, right? Like this is, and, and this is not unique. I think you know, maybe people listening can relate, like, um, 
But but another thing that my dad taught me, like the way he lived his life, because yes, he, he died at 55 and he was, we were robbed of so much and, and, you know, he had so much more life to live. But in those 55 years, he lived an incredible life. And one thing that I think was passed on to me that I've embraced is how much value he placed on relationships. And this feels really important to talk about in this conversation of, about yeah. being wealthy AF. Um, at my dad's funeral, like no one talked about his work. Like his work was like the furthest thing from any conversation. Um, what people talked about was just like the fun times they had with him, the concerts, the barbecues in our backyard. Um, my dad had a lot of fun throughout. Mm. Um, he lived a very full life and he had a lot of really close friends, childhood friends, friends that he made in adulthood. He was kind of like, he had this magnetic, like super charismatic energy, um, and so for me growing up, I'm so grateful that I got to see that and see how happy it made him and how happy it made his friends. And, you know, like the CDC would back this up, right? Like we're living through a loneliness epidemic. Right. They, and, um, you know, studies have shown, like, I think it's the CDC or, you know, some other like. The Surgeon General did a whole yeah right they, they they say like loneliness I don't know how they measured this but like can be equivalent to smoking like fifteen cigarettes a week or something I don't know there there's like a link between right. like like if you're lonely it's like just as bad as being an avid smoker for right. your health um, relationships were were starting to really grasp how important they are for our health and well-being. Um so and and I'm I'm again just so grateful that that's something I've I've that's second nature for me. And that's yeah. part of my second nature conditioning that I've embraced, that I've maintained. Yeah. Um my natural I'll, I'll I'll say conditioned um inclination towards friendship and just like spending a lot of time with, uh, the people I love and care about. Yeah. So, um, yeah, grateful that I didn't have to really like learn that as an adult, that it didn't have to like be a third nature, like conscious. Right. That's how I've always naturally been inclined. Yeah which I'm so grateful for because that is a third nature thing that I've had to step into and I am still learning how to. Um, as a follow-up question and a closing question, um, with everything that you've shared today, what is the wealth that you want to share, not just with people in your life now, but in many ways you'll pass on through your experiences and the impact that you're creating? Hmm. Yeah. So it, it, it is relationships. Like I, I'm all about bringing people together. Like I want my legacy to be bringing people together. Yeah. I, I want people to feel connected again, connected to themselves and connected to others. And I think when you feel connected to who you truly are, you naturally will feel more connected to the people in your life. So, so much of what third nature does, what I do is, is grounded in that. Um, and yeah, I think I would want people to think of wealth, like, yes, money's important. Money's part of wealth, but relationships are equally, if not, I'm, I'll say probably way more important. Yeah. Um, people talk about like, what is it? The, the resume versus the eulogy. We've mm. death has been like a topic that's come yeah. up. Like 
throughout this conversation. Um, I think a lot of people are just like always thinking about building a resume. Yeah. Like gathering professional experiences to put on their resume. Yeah. But at your eulogy, at your funeral, when people talk about the life that you lived, they're not going to be talking about what was on your resume. I don't care who you are. They're going to be talking about the relationships. Like, again, the people speaking at your funeral, that those are the people who know and loved you, who knew and loved you. And uh, they'll be talking about the good times that they had with you. So that's, um, I guess, what I would leave people with. I want to say, you know, thank you, not just for this conversation. Um, I'm feeling like definitely something in my heart right now because throughout our conversation, um, I'm being reminded of my relationship to my work, my purpose, myself. I'm also being like reminded of and inspiring. It's inspired by you in the kind of relationships that I have been putting um, attention and energy to. And um, so thank you for this conversation. Thank you for the work that you do and have been doing. And um, I'm just excited for people to have the opportunity to experience this. You know, if whoever is listening is interested in exploring this in IRL, um, they have that opportunity for third nature summer camp, which, you know, Labor Day 2024. Um, also through your writing, I'll share that link below and in whatever form. Is there anything else you would want to share that people can? Yeah. So weekly conscious conversations, that's our free, like Fridays at 12 PM Eastern, super accessible on Zoom. So you can join from anywhere in the world. And we're always building out more virtual and IRL experiences. And I would say the best way to Stay in the loop on all that is through the Third Nature newsletter. Yes. How could we forget? Write, yeah, which I write and send out every Monday. Um, but yeah, Andrea, like, thank you so much. I feel like this, I don't know about you, but I can't believe it's already. I know. know. <laughs> this this Always hour, like that. It was 50 minutes just, just flew by and I'm so yeah. grateful for the space that you created uh, here. Thank you. Um, for everyone listening, we'll see you in the next episode. Otherwise, find Brian in all of his ways. And um, yeah, thanks again, Brian, for your time. Thank you. Yay.